Um, glad you're here. Debbie Joe's here. She didn't make it last week, but uh, she's here today. Praise God. Well, I'm not going to uh, spend a lot of time. I guess we need to pick up our tithes and offerings, right? We at least need to mention it, so our uh, giving. And so uh, with that being said, um, I'm going to extend myself just a little bit by saying the first quarter of this year for the church I just want you to know how good God is. Um, you know, because of everything that was going on, I'm not giving out figures or anything like that, but because of everything that was going on with COVID-19 uh, and all these other things that happened, we, you know, got in the hole a little bit. And I remember Cheryl Britt saying, oh, I can't wait to see how God's going to get us out of this something to that effect anyway. And I said, you know what, I agree with you. It's going to be exciting to see that. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, since the end of the uh, uh, quarter and the last Sunday or two, uh, God's taken us out of that hole, and we had a, a little bit of a surplus there too. Um, so it's all due to, to God and His faithfulness and those of the saints that have... Uh, you know, applied themselves to the Word of God and to uh, trust and to love Him and do, doing their part as well. So um, I, I'm just really proud of the way our church responds, you know, to the, the truth of the God, and uh, they do their part. So I'm, I'm proud of you for that. So with that being said, uh, we are... Um, or we do have uh, online giving now, and most of you already know that, and those that are listening in. Uh, the livinglightchurch.org is where you can go to do your online giving. They've got different categories that you can check there that you can uh, uh, make sure that uh, your funding is appropriated to whichever uh, category you would like. And there's still also the P.O. Box 505, Roseville, Illinois, if you care to uh, do your uh, giving that way uh, by mailing it in. And uh, so I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm just grateful for what God's doing, and I'm grateful that people are able to uh, respond appropriately to what God uh, has called us to do. My wife's giving me signs and wonders, and I'm wondering what the signs mean. Okay. All right. I'm still getting on to this whole thing here. So anyway, when you uh, uh, decide to do your offering on the way out of the service, there are two buckets, one on either side of that doorway going out, and you can just drop them in there. They won't be collecting any anything right now. And for, you know, a couple more weeks or so, who knows how long that'll be. Uh, and again, we, we're not doing the hugging thing and stuff like that. So, but if you take things outdoors afterwards, after the service, you're on your own, okay? So, praise God if that's what you want to do and but uh, we'll try to keep it to a minimum here in the, in the 
building and trying to keep things as clean as possible. So, all right. I think that's all that's uh, necessary. Is there any other uh, announcements or anything to be made? Uh, We're ready to go then. So this week, um, I've got a different sort of message here. Um, It's something that probably is more towards me than it is any one of you, but I'm sure that you're going to uh, uh, fit into this message as well. Um, I do not have any one specific person in mind in our body because we have a a body of believers that are just wonderful. They're supportive of me. They they live for God and all those things. So I don't... I'm not thinking of anybody in particular when I give you the title when they don't want to be shepherded. When they don't want to be shepherded. Um, So like I said, don't anybody freak out on me. I'm not thinking of anybody here. It's just something that God placed on my heart and I wanted to uh, share with you. And it was kind of troubling to me, a little perplexing how this was going to come out today because I didn't want anybody to get the idea that I have problem people. I don't have problem people, right? (laughs) Praise God. But I feel as if one of my duties is to prepare a message that applies to the current events going on. So what I'm getting at is there's a lot of news going on. There's a lot of things going on, and there's a lot of horrible things that are going on. There's a lot of narratives out there that we can try to plug into and whether we should or whether we shouldn't that can be very, very distracting from the Word of God. And a lot of those people are people that do not want to be shepherded. They want to go about their own business doing their own thing in spite of uh, whether they claim to be a Christian or whether they don't. So that's kind of the premise from where, where I'm coming from. And uh, to help make sense of what is going on in this chaotic world we're living in, and the truth of the matter, I'm not going to directly speak to that matter. Those things, you, you see it on the news, you read it on Facebook or whatever, you've heard enough of that, I don't need to speak directly about uh, all of the riots and everything. And if we uh, haven't figured it out yet, uh, let me just say that the situation at hand is not one of those situations where, uh, because there's a lot of people that say, well, why can't we just get along? Folks, it's beyond that. It's bigger than that. we got to do better than just getting along. We have to live this thing out the way Jesus wants us to live it out. We're beyond that, in my opinion, and it's a spiritual warfare that's going on, and we as believers need to take our stance in prayer for the spiritual warfare. It's good that you stand up for what's right peacefully, do things properly, um, but uh, the church has to take an active role, especially in prayer, if we're going to see the outcome that we're looking for. 
Uh, with that being said, I know most of us, uh, and every one of us, in fact, are probably keenly aware of what's happening, and it's painful to watch everything. Uh, it's actually quite sickening to see uh, people being uh, killed and murdered for some of the things that uh, they're getting killed for. Um, but I'd like to share something just a little bit different out of all of that's going on and get our minds thinking in a different way. Um, kind of take your mind off of those kinds of things for right now. But that's where a lot of this, my message is coming from too, if that makes sense. So I'd like to share a thought that came earlier this week. Um, Monday or Tuesday I was praying and asking God to help me to come up with a, a, a message and uh, something I wanted to talk to you about. And the topic is, is when people don't want a shepherd. Okay, so turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 20, verses 15 through 31. I'm not going to read everything. I'll read, I'll read this particular uh, uh, portion that I gave you, but there's uh, more to the story, uh, the beginning and the ending of it, but I, I'll try to give you my rendition the way I understood it. And... Uh, when people don't want a shepherd. Acts 20, verses 25 through 31, it says, And now I know none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. This is Paul talking to the pastors of uh, the church of Ephesus, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? <laughs> okay, I thought I heard somebody ask me a question there. Therefore... Verse 26, Therefore I declare to you that this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I didn't avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves. You might want to highlight that in your Bible if, you're, if you uh, like to do those things, kind of things or underline it somehow. But be on guard for yourselves and for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Men will, arise, will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth. It's awful. People that would take the Word of God and distort it for their own benefit and their own good. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I've never stopped warning each one of you with tears. Paul in this particular passage has been with the church of uh, Ephesus for the past several years, fully preaching and teaching with all of the confidence of the kingdom of God. He's preaching Jesus and informing the, the pastors in particular is who this is addressed to as in the, the capacity of an apostle. And he's speaking to the pastors to be aware and be on guard for yourselves because how many know 
pastors are not devoid of being tripped up and deceived themselves. If they don't have the humility that they are uh, uh, supposed to have, if I don't have the humility that I'm supposed to have to submit myself to God, I can be tripped up just as easily as any one of you or anybody else in any other congregation. And Paul was about to strike up a journey, however, or strike out on a journey to Jerusalem. So he was writing this letter to the church of, uh, of Ephesus. I hope I'm getting that right. I think that was the church of Ephesus. Isn't that awful? Being, and he was uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. And he himself, not knowing what he was going to face for certain, he did know that at certain times he was going to be facing a lot of resistance. I mean, know Paul faced a lot of resistance in his ministries. And uh, he was going to meet a lot of resistance and he would be in chains. And the Holy Spirit was, was showing him this. And he would suffer much affliction because of it. But uh, he was such a hero. I love Paul. We need more heroes in this day and age, I believe. But anyway, before, the, before he left for Jerusalem, Paul was certain to remind and reiterate all of the uh, warnings that he had uh, taught the uh, pastors in this area and the overseers that they should remain on guard for themselves. And not just for themselves, but for their flock, or for the, the, the children of God. And I believe this is a warning and a charge to all of the pastors, including myself and the overseers for today. There's so much out there available to anyone who may be having a weak moment uh, in their lives. We can get so caught up and distracted um, in the Facebook stuff. You know, get our opinion out there, deciding whether we agree with this person or whether we want to fight with that person. We can get caught up in all that stuff, and we can literally get off track and get away from the truth of God and the truth of His Word, and we can be distracted and become weak We can truly become weak and have a weak moment in our lives. And I'm telling you, with all that is going on around there, we get battle weary and pray, you know, for prayer uh, and, you know, fighting that spiritual warfare. We can get caught up in that. Sometimes we just get battle weary. And um, sometimes it just doesn't seem like you're making a difference. And I know that I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I'm thinking, God, I want to see things change. Um, for pastors and, and anyone else for that matter, it can be extremely difficult to maintain your strength. But that's what Paul is wanting us to do. This is a, a, in particularly towards pastors, but it can also be for the congregation. So we need prayer desperately. So And so does the... Um, the entire congregation. We need to love and pray for one another more than ever before. We need to build one another up and uh, be a blessing to one another. And so what I've learned in my uh, short tenure as a pastor is is it can be a lonely place from time to time. 
And if you're not careful to remain close to Jesus and close to His Word, how easily you can be led astray because of the frustrations, you know, and you can, and you can get to the point where you just say, I want to give up. But you can't do that. God's called you to that. I've, been, I've reflected on that, and I, I was so certain of the calling when uh, I was asked to be the pastor here, I was so certain of what God was telling me to do. And I have to uh, remain humble and stay within the bounds of that calling and I've been, that I've been placed in. Otherwise, I can become a victim just as easily as anyone else. Now, so there, um, there are so many people out there that are in, in it for the wrong reason. Uh, there's money, fame, fortune, prestige, whatever you want to uh, uh, list there. But my point is this. I have to be certain of my calling. And I have to stand up for my calling and stay within the bounds of that calling. And you, have, you have to be certain of your calling as well. You may not be the pastor. You may be apostle of another church, you might be a prophet, or you might be this or that or the other thing. But you've got to stay certain of that calling, and it's my job to hold everyone accountable. One of the things that I just realized not too long ago that I have to help people remain accountable so they can avoid entrapments that are readily available and set for them. We are believers of the kingdom of God, and if we are unshakable and certain of that, that we can be of that, then we can be pressured into believing false narratives and everything else that the enemy uses against us, and we can fall victim to what the enemy has planned. In other words, are we going to be people that are shepherded and trusting? the good shepherd and the Word of God, or are we going to be people that want to do our own thing? Right now, I can give you a name of a so-called pastor that is pumping into the nation, this particular nation, a false narrative that is so divisive that it's keeping the nation divided. I'm not going to mention the name, but he's on television. He's on uh in in uh, the news all the time, and he's on Facebook, and he he's pumping uh, a false narrative out there into the nation, and he's uh, he's not staying close to the Bible, he's not preaching the Bible, he's not humble and lifting up the name of Jesus, and he's out there crying out the, the, and deceiving people all over this nation and capitalizing financially on the circumstances of the day. It makes me ill, but it's the truth. Ezekiel 34 and 10 says this about those who aren't in it for the right reason. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so they will not be food for them. There are pastors out there right now that are deceiving people and they're benefiting from that deception 
They're tricking people, and it's all about the money. It's all about the wealth. It's all about the prestige and getting their name out there. And God said He's against those type of pastors. He's against those type of of, uh, shepherds. And and, uh, so just to move along here, there are so many temptations out there that uh, folks for the pastors as well as those that are being shepherded. Uh, So many things out there that have so much allure to it. Paul was instructing the pastors of the church in our text that it will be difficult times and extreme problems. But it's the uh, it's the Bible, that it's the truth of the go- uh, Gospel that's going to transform us and help us to pre- be prevented from getting off track. And this is the truth of the matter. We must remain faithful to the Lord to get through these tough days. I mean, we've got, these are days like I've never seen before. Some of you that are older than me uh, may have... Uh, gone through some tougher times. I know John uh, has uh, in his uh, family history that had to go through the Holocaust and all that stuff. That was difficult beyond the measures that we're facing right now, I believe. My uh, point is that the truth of the matter, we must remain faithful to the Lord to get us through these days. Faithful to the Good Shepherd. Jesus, the one who will see us through all of the challenges that we're facing right now. And there are people out there and pastors out there currently who simply don't want a shepherd. They want to, they want to get involved with things uh, outside of their calling and they want to do it for their own benefit, their own profit. This day and age, there are so many who are going out on their own. They don't trust the church for various reasons. They don't trust the church. They don't trust the man of God behind the pulpit. And they don't trust Jesus. And they, There are those who just have the natural tendency to be a wanderer on top of everything. How many of you have ever noticed that there are people that just like to wander and do their own thing? It's difficult. They're a difficult type of people to manage. Like I said, don't anybody in here get concerned. You're not tough people to manage. I don't want you to say, uh, be thinking that pastor said, there's somebody in here that's difficult to manage, because that's not the case. Some people are, though. They're just hard to manage. And I'm thinking of some cases that I saw but one in particular. I was that kind of person. That's one reason why it was so hard for me to want to go ahead and and do something with this message. I was one of those people that I thought I flippin' knew it all. And even even though I'd been in in this ministry uh, for several years, I had thought and I'd gotten so smart that I didn't need a pastor I could do things on my own. I didn't need a pastor getting involved with my business, telling me what I needed to do, advising advising me of what I uh, should do or shouldn't do, and whatever the case might be. And I've seen it before in others. 
And at the opening of this sermon, I, I, I was reluctant, like I said, uh, to even share that with you because that just reveals one more part of your pastor to you. But I want to be honest. I know a little something about not being manageable. And so, um, now I didn't get off out, uh, into uh, real bad sin and, and, and all those kinds of things, but I was leaning that direction. And I don't, I'm not proud of that. I was one of those people at one time that was so difficult to manage. And I felt as if I had it all together and I was marching to the, the beat of my own drum for a while. And there are people like that. And Paul is instructing pastors to be on guard for themselves so they don't become that type of person, not to mention the flock too. There are people that have that tendency to wander, traveling to the beat of their own drum, and they always seem to know a little bit more than everybody else about what's best for them. They forget that the pastors hear the voice of God and they're instructing them. They, God shows them things about the people of the, the flock that they're shepherding over. And they'll say things like, oh, it'll be okay, I got this. No problem, no worries. The truth of the matter is they're leaning the wrong direction and it won't take long. And you're going to find yourself in all kinds of problems. I'm reminded of a story. I I don't have the whole story down uh, word for word, but I'm um, reminded of a story of a shepherd. I read it here the other day of a shepherd that had a beautiful flock of sheep that uh, periodically they would he would lead them out into the pasture and uh, they'd mingle with other uh, flocks. And I didn't know if you knew that that. They would do that, but those sheep, when their shepherd spoke, they heard that voice, they recognized that voice, and they would come back into their own uh, sheep pen. Anyway, the story goes, one of the shepherds that I'm talking about had a ewe. I mean, you know, uh, that's a female sheep, if anybody doesn't know. Pardon me. But anyway, she was just a, a prize sheep to look at. She was amazing. She was wonderful to look at. She was a prize, and she uh, had uh, beautiful lambs. She would raise them. They were always healthy, and all these good things about that lamb or about that you uh, sheep. But the problem with that ewe sheep is, is that she liked to wander and get outside of the boundaries of the pasture that uh, the shepherd wanted to the rest of the sheep to stay in. And the tendency for sheep to be that way is that they'll get into uh, poisonous plants and, and things. They can hurt themselves uh, you know, physically and whatever. They can get into all kinds of trouble. And that shepherd got so discouraged with her and so upset because she was just that wonderful uh, sheep that did uh, raise the lambs that he would always want. And all those kinds of things, she was just surprised. 
He got so disappointed, though, because she would wander away and it was causing a distraction for the rest of them. She would start to lead others out away from the pasture, putting them in danger as well. The shepherd had to do something about that. And this is no threat to anyone here again. He had to do something about that. And he had to butcher her. Had to take care of her. Had to eliminate the problem. So I'm not trying to butcher anybody, okay? I'm not trying to butcher. That's just the way the story goes. He had to deal with the problem. The good shepherd has to take care of that sort of thing. I'm not the judge. So you see, if he didn't do something drastic with that you, then he, she would uh, have led the rest of the flock astray. People that don't want to be shepherded can be that type of person. They, there are apparently some things out there that sheep can't eat. How many know right now, in the spirit, when we apply this to ourselves, the symbolism to ourselves, there's things out there that we shouldn't be partaking of, we shouldn't be eating of. Okay? We need to stay close to the Word of God. That's my point. Um, I personally at one time was a little bullheaded like that and didn't want to be shepherded. But uh, anyway, God turned me around. There's all kinds of temptations, I guess, is what I'm trying to say out there that uh, can befall us. There's alcohol. Sometimes I was prone to that. Uh, You know, I like the cold beer. I'll tell you, just to be real honest about it. So alcohol was my vice, you might say. Drugs, of course, could be somebody else's vice. Infidelity and a plethora of other things. There's temptations out there that can lure you in a way, you away if you're not humble and remain under the care of the good shepherd and the shepherd under shepherd at the church. Paul said to the overseers, "Be on guard for yourselves and the flock." It's a huge challenge when we get weary, and the shepherd has to. Uh, do his part to intervene and and be a blessing to his people and show them a different way. We uh, we can become a prime target when we find ourselves just tired of how things are rolling. We can become a uh, we can become a really big target, and we must remain accountable to one another as one of the solutions. Pastors are no exception. I need to be accountable to you. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea if there was a, uh, 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 a partner of some sort that I could be accountable to um, specifically. And the bottom line is this, and we're responsible, however, for ourselves. The Bible tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Remain accountable to one another, but more than that, remain accountable to the one who knows your heart the best. Jesus is the one that knows our heart the best. I have had to learn some uh, some things uh, that have been kind of hard on me because uh, I want to. Uh, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to want to be my friend. And you know what I found out? Not everybody likes me. 
And not everybody wants to be my friend. It's hard on me. I discovered that later on in life. And do you know, just since I've been pastor here, I don't, I don't want you to go picking on anybody or anything, but there are people that have left already early on because they didn't want to be shepherded. Whether it was me personally or not, I don't know. Some have left because they didn't want to be shepherded already in my short time here as pastor. So I guess the lesson is, is as much for me as it is for anybody, the question I need to ask is, do I personally want to be shepherded, and do you want to be shepherded? Beginning in John 21, verse 15. And we're doing real good on time today. Beginning in John 21, verse 15, and we'll, I'll give you time to get there. I'll uh, share a little bit. Um, Jesus asked Peter a series of very important questions to determine if he was ready to be a shepherd. Jesus was calling Peter to be a shepherd in John 21, 15. It was his plan to restore Peter. How many remember just days before Peter, when Jesus was hanging, or being actually, he was being uh, tormented in front of the Sanhedrin. Peter was out there in public, and, P, and people were saying, aren't you the one that was hanging around with, uh, with Jesus? No, that wasn't me. And he denied Jesus three times. Remember, Peter was a, a cocky, bold, zealous type of person that said basically, when everyone else forsakes you, I won't forsake you, Jesus. I'm not going to forsake you. And remember, as Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin, Peter denied him three times. And he learned a very important lesson that particular night. Peter, that night, felt that his love and commitment was superior to everyone else's commitment to, to, to Jesus. But after all that, he failed. He found out that he wasn't the man he thought he was. I don't want to be caught in that position. I don't want to find out that I'm a, a poser. I want to be true to God. I want to be true to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I want to be true for all of you. And at that particular time, he found that he wasn't really ready to display his love and affection for Jesus in public. And after Jesus had died on the cross, and after uh, a little bit of time had passed, just, just a little bit of time, Peter had to have thought many times, I'm sure, how weak and how foolish I was. Sometimes, when we have a little bit of time to think about things, we find out how weak and how foolish we can be and not being able to represent and stand for Jesus when we have the opportunity. And not realizing that soon he would be restored to a level of commitment that surpassed anything that he may have ever imagined. Jesus had risen and had been viewed by many witnesses, including the disciples themselves, for three, uh, three different times. 
And in chapter 21 of John, and gives the account of Peter's restoration. I'm getting to a point here, and I hope it coincides with everything that I've been trying to share with you this morning. One day, Peter and, and the disciples decided, this is, this is just days after Jesus. They had actually seen Jesus three different times, but this was just days after that, that they just decided, Peter decided, I'm going to go fishing. I love to go fishing myself. I enjoy that. And he decides he's going fishing, and many of the other disciples decided they were going to go along with him. They were going to go out and they go fishing and probably catch the biggest catch of their lives. Only to find out they fished all night and didn't catch anything. Now this is the second time that that's happened, so don't confuse this with the other uh, drought of fish that they were able to catch. <clears throat> so they go out, they fish all night, and at the break of dawn, the, uh, they decide, you know, enough is enough. Getting ready, they're starting to, I think they're probably trying to get their nets wrapped up and whatever, however you handle your nets, and they were probably getting ready to uh, call it a night when from the shore, now I'll remind you, it was the break of dawn, so it was kind of dark and hazy yet. They, and, and they're making all kinds of noise, reeling in the nets and all the things that they're doing. They hear a voice, but they couldn't quite make out who it was, and they certainly couldn't recognize who it was. Well, come to find out, this, this figure, this voice that they hear said, you guys didn't catch anything all night, did you? That's basically the way my translation read in the CSB. You didn't catch anything all night. You don't have any fish, do you? That's exactly what it says. And they said, no. He said, toss nets out on the right side of the boat. You'll find them there. You'll find the fish there. And it's just, I get such a big kick out of trying to put some personality into the Scriptures and try to put myself in the uh, the place of the disciples or whatever. And uh, Jesus, I think, was just having fun with them. He knew that they could catch the fish on the other side of the boat. And he, sa- he said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. You'll find them there. And it occurs to John, the beloved John, because they started catching the fish. In fact, this particular passage said that they caught 153 large fish. There's a reason for uh, saying all that. But anyway, it was John. It occurred to him, hey, this has happened once before. I recognize who this must be. And he says something to Peter. And Peter freaks out a little bit and says, this is the Lord Jesus himself. Why he didn't have his clothes on, I don't know. But he ties his clothes, his outer garments on, and he dives in, and he's swimming to the shore because he realizes this is the Lord. His love for the Lord hadn't really changed. In fact, it probably grew after Jesus had died. And he, had, he know, knew that he had resurrected. When he got there... He kind of left everybody else behind, though, uh, dragging in the fish. And uh, when they got there, though, 
They saw that Jesus already had the Kingsford charcoal lit. And he was cooking breakfast for him. He said, please join me for breakfast. And the reason why I thought that was interesting is because of the language that's used in the, uh, my translation. It does say charcoal. I don't know that they have charcoal back then or not. But anyway, it was just a, a wonderful scene. They go in there for breakfast. They're having breakfast. They're having a time uh, of joy. They're having a time of relaxation with the Lord Jesus. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus said, Peter, dost thou love me? And it kind of stuns Peter, I'm sure. Dost thou love me? Yeah, I love you. You know that. He said, feed my lambs. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And he couldn't understand why, but he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus is restoring Peter from his earlier failures. He said, feed my sheep. And a third time, he asked Peter, do you love me? He's getting more and more serious about it. And I know that there's different types of love that he's talking about here. Jesus is talking about agape. Peter is thinking... Uh, the brotherly phileo type of love where we love one another as friends. And he's saying, I love you as deeply as a friend could love you. And that's not what Jesus was really asking. He's wanting to know if you're going to commit to me as the shepherd of your life. And that third time he asked Peter, do you love me? And by this time, Peter was getting kind of upset. He said, Lord, you know everything about me. You know that I love you. Now they're getting somewhere. Once again, he told him to feed his sheep. And what this whole conversation was about was to prove to Peter that he was no longer thinking of himself like he was just a few days before. He wasn't thinking any longer about himself, but his heart now was fixed on the Lord. Remember, he was the first one. He, he uh, walked on water, water with Jesus. He was the first one to do that. And now he was the first one to dive out of the boat to go meet him. Jesus knew that there was something special about Peter. But he knew something more about Peter in his heart that he was so humble now. He was a man with his heart completely surrendered to Jesus. And now Jesus was able to use him to glorify God and the kingdom of God. Earlier, he was kind of a cocky, uh, proud, self-serving sort of guy. But now he's a humble man of God and about to be appointed to be the shepherd over a flock. Jesus could now trust him with his people. 
because Peter's devotion was completely on Jesus and he could be counted upon to be faithful to the service of the Lord. And so, in closing, there's a lot of other scriptures I could be bringing up, I suppose. And in fact, I might read one passage where Peter, after he became pastor, spoke on days and times and ages like we're having right now. But this, my friends, is what Jesus is looking for from each and every one of us. Me, as the pastor, the under-shepherd of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ Himself, and you as the flock. Jesus is looking uh, for you and I um, and each and every one of us in the capacity that He chooses to put you and I in, especially me as the pastor. The question is, is do you want to be pastored? Do I want to be pastored? Do we want to stay committed and close to the Lord? And that's the way we're going to get through these negative times that we're going through right now. This, this is about as awful of a, a thing as I've seen. And um, it says, I don't know if I want to use my phone or if I want to use my Bible here. Peter, later on you can see his devotion to, his, to the people. If you wanted to record this in your uh, notes or whatever, Hebrews, James, Peter. You can see what kind of impact and what kind of change has taken place in Peter's heart because now he's that man, that, that pastor has a love and a devotion not only to God, but a love and a devotion for the people of God. He said, and, and just imagine, it's, it's times like we're going through now. First Peter 1, verse, uh, I'm just going to skip down to verse 6, and I'll read to, uh, let's say, maybe verse 12. He says, you rejoice in this. Even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. How many of you know we've been suffering grievous times, suffering trials and all kinds of temptations, so that the, and it's for this purpose, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which the, uh, which, though perishable, is refined by fire. And it may result in praise, glory, and honor. To see how it, his whole attitude is about glorifying God. That's where our attitude needs to be. And it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you may not have seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. How many know I've not, I've not seen Jesus I don't suppose any one of you have. But we love Him, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isn't that wonderful? Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ 
within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through the, those who preach the gospel to you. It can only been, be done by people led of the Spirit preaching the true gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Hallelujah. So anyway, I hope that, that uh, the message was clear today. There, there are people that don't want to be shepherded. And the, the way we're, that we're going to get to that place where we are those type of people that want to be shepherded is to remain close to the Word of God, remain uh, faithful to uh, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and we can um, be certain that we're going to get through these tough, hard days. I don't know what else we can expect. I'm really believing that we're going to start seeing a peaceful uh, resolution to all this that we've been going through, but it may be a while yet. Who knows? But... uh, we need to stay close to the, to the Lord, stay close to one another. Um, I, I try to keep on top of calling people and, and sending them texts. I sent T uh, uh, a text that I felt like God was sharing with me. She had, I had two numbers in my phone for her, and I sent the message to the wrong phone. So I'm wondering why she doesn't respond. I thought it was pretty good of me as a pastor to do that. And yet she didn't respond. But now... We can have fun like that. She got to read the message off my phone. <laughs> so, Anyway, I, I'm not going to uh, belabor this any longer. I, I just trust that right now that uh, God's going to find you faithful and trustworthy, and you're going to uh, uh, walk right on through this uh, troubled time with Jesus because you are a people that want to be shepherded. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for your glorious word. I thank you for the spirit, the presence of your uh, mighty spirit that's uh, here in this place. I thank you for people uh, that uh, aren't normally a part of the congregation, that they're here listening to the word of God along with us. I take joy in that, and I ask you to bless them. And I pray that they uh, are able to take something home with them to learn and uh, chew on, and just to uh, uh, grow to be closer to you. And Lord, I just pray right now that you bless all of those that are here today. I pray that they have a wonderful day, wonderful weekend, and a wonderful uh, week to come, Father. And, and we can meet again uh, very, very soon. Lord, I ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen.